From High Top Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Justin Higginbottom. It's Wednesday, December 14th. After pandemic travel and the publicity around Bears Ears National Monument, it seems more visitors than ever have been exploring the canyons and forested mesas of southeastern Utah. That can mean more vandalism, theft, or disturbance of ancestral Pueblo artifacts and ruins. Archaeologist Allison Ockrey has been surveying an area in the region, which was last documented in the 70s, for just this reason. We chose that study area uh, in part because of some recent vandalism and wanted to get a better idea of just how widespread that was um, and to update our documentation that was you know, previously pretty scant up to current standards. She works for the Forest Service in the Moab Monticello District. We're not disclosing where she was surveying so as not to attract more people to that sensitive location. Aukery says that previously, most vandalism would happen at sites near a road or along a trail. So she was surprised at finding recent human impacts in this area, well off the beaten path. The fact that people are potentially traveling into more remote terrain more often motivates archaeologists like her to perform important research before something is lost. It, it can feel like a race just in general, maybe not against, you know, always vandalism, but just, you know, we do need to get a better idea of our resources to be able to manage them better. Her team received a Discovery Pool research grant from the Canyonlands Natural History Association, and with help from volunteers, scoured the area and documented what they found. That was a number of sites from Basket Maker 3 to Pueblo 1 periods, up to 1,500 years old. Some structures seem to be occupied seasonally. And then we also had sites that were more longer-term residential sites. And, and one of them contained like a large 10-meter diameter depression, as well as multiple clusters of surface features, suggesting that there were extended or, or multiple families living there. And that large depression, it's possible it's a potential like community integration feature. They weren't doing any excavating. So much detail about those communities are left to the imagination. In the past, it was common for archaeologists to take artifacts they found, depositing them in museums for later study. But modern researchers prefer to leave things where they find them. The sites themselves aren't valuable just for scientific purposes either, either. They're part of a living cultural landscape. They're still homes in a sense. It's more than just, you know, from a research standpoint that they're important. So collecting pieces of those sites does take away a part of that story. But leaving those objects also runs the risk of more vandalism and theft. There will be a risk that somebody else comes and collects it. You know, is it any better if I collect things? I don't know. There's, <laughs> there is a big trade-off there. Aukri says it's a big job surveying this large and remote landscape. A major challenge right now is a lack of staff to document and protect sites before they are discovered by a weekend backpacker. Four states along the Colorado River are getting closer to finalizing details of a program to pay water users to conserve. KUNC's Alex Hager has more on plans from Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and New Mexico. The Upper Colorado River Commission is asking for $125 million to incentivize conservation. That could mean paying a farmer not to grow a thirsty crop or a city to reduce its demand. The money comes from the Federal Inflation Reduction Act. This program is a reboot of another payout program that began in 2015. The goal is to prop up the river's reservoirs, which are currently at historic lows. Chuck Cullum directs the commission. 
am reluctant to speculate on how many folks are able and willing to participate given the water stress people are experiencing in the upper basin. Cullum says the program will discourage water profiteering and will set the price for payouts on a case-by-case basis after reviewing proposals from growers. It still needs approvals from the Biden administration and Congress. I'm Alex Hager. Last week, Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser pushed for a Washington state court judge to block Albertson's $4 billion payout to its investors while the company's merger with Kroger is under review. Weiser's office is leading a multi-state investigation of the proposed grocery chain merger. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Chris Clements of KSJD has the story. Kroger announced its plans to acquire Albertson's for almost $25 billion in mid-October. Speaking at a press conference on Thursday, Weiser said the merger, if approved, could result in higher prices for Colorado consumers, lower wages for workers, fewer jobs, and negatively impact farmers and those in rural communities like Cortez and the Four Corners region. It is not plausible to tell someone in Cortez, oh, you could drive to Grand Junction for an alternative supermarket. Um, That's just not plausible. And we are very mindful of those concerns, and we are going to be making sure to hear directly from those who will be affected by this merger. If the merger were to take place, two of the three grocery stores in Cortez, Safeway, which is owned by Albertsons, and City Market, which is owned by Kroger, would be part of the same company. Now, this merger, because the market shares, has the real prospect of adversely affecting um, urban, um, including food deserts, which can be in rural or urban areas. So we're really concerned in both contexts, what will happen, what will be the consequences, and how do we make sure to protect all communities in Colorado? Weiser also said he plans to go on a statewide tour of Colorado in order to hear directly from consumers on this issue. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. The Navajo Nation Police Department has received numerous missing persons reports that they trace to addiction treatment centers in Arizona. Now they are warning tribal communities about recruiters. For KSUT Tribal Radio, Crystal Ashkey has more. It all started one Monday morning when Navajo Nation Police Sergeant Roland Ash looked at the rest log after the weekend. And we usually have a lot of um, public and talk to rest right on a Monday morning uh, over the weekend. And I noticed that we didn't have, we only had one. And I asked the, the sergeant, dude, hey, man, what's going on? We only had one arrest over the weekend. What happened? So he, he says, I don't know. I said, you know what, let's go start. Let's go check. So Sergeant Dash started asking around and heard about a white van coming into Tuba City, Arizona. He was asking everybody if they were hungry, if they wanted a place to stay, if they had rehab center, that they were, that they were coming out of rehab center out of, out of Phoenix area. And that they need assistance uh, for rehabilitation from alcohol. The recruiters have been reported in various areas, like outdoor markets and picking up people on the side of the road, according to a statement published on Facebook by Navajo Nation Police Department on November 17. Soon, families started to report their loved ones missing. So we started getting calls, uh, missing persons. Sergeant Dash began looking into different sober homes or group homes after a family member of a missing person told him their brother went to a recovery treatment center in Phoenix, Arizona. Sergeant Dash spoke with the individual over the phone. He explained he willingly went with the recruiters, but the police department's Facebook post from November 17 said some people had experienced difficulty returning to the Navajo Nation. 
Sergeant Dash says this is an ongoing problem. Right now, it's a constant thing of these guys showing up here and taking these individuals down. In a separate Facebook post from October 26th, Carol Willetto, a community member, warned people about a couple from Blue Sapphire Group Home showing up at Winter Rock, Arizona's outdoor market and recruiting people. Tribal Radio contacted the Blue Sapphire Group Home about their business and why they were in Winter Rock, Arizona. A woman who identified herself as Justine apologized and said she was not involved because she had no Navajo clients and then hung up. Sergeant Dash is now working with other law enforcement agencies to investigate any possible criminal activity to ensure the safety of Navajo communities. I made contact with uh, FBI on this whole thing. I made contact with my superiors on, on everything that's going on. I provided them with information. I made contact with CI, our criminal investigator here in Tuba City, for uh, what's going on here. The Navajo Nation Police Department is advising community members not to get into vehicles with individuals they do not know, even for a short ride. Sergeant Dash is asking anyone with information to contact the Navajo Nation Police Department or contact the FBI at tips.fbi.gov. For KSUT Tribal Radio, I'm Crystal Ashkey. Those stories from KSUT Tribal Radio and KSJD were shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, December 14th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.